0: Uh, Genesis chapter 45 and chapter 50. We're going to read a little bit in chapter 52, so get ready to turn there. But I'm going to start in chapter 45, verse 1. Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. And he cried, make everyone go out from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. So Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And they came near, and he said, I'm your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, thus says your son, Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen and you shall be near me. You and your children and your children's children and your flocks and herds and all that you have. There I will provide for you. For there are yet five years of famine to come. So that you and your household and all that you have do not come to poverty. Now if you would just turn over to Genesis 50. Kind of finish up the story of Joseph here. In verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead. They said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying... Your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin, because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear, I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Father, we thank you for uh, the forgiveness of Jesus that is just beyond our comprehension. How you could forgive us so beautifully and so thoroughly. And Father, we we see in Joseph that preview, that commercial for for Jesus and what He would do in our lives. Father, as we think about our own relationships and times when we get hurt, times when we are offended, times when we, we suffer at the hands of others, God, we pray that You would put in us what You put in Joseph. God, to enable us to pursue forgiveness and to pursue reconciliation. Father, we need Your Holy Spirit to be able to do that. And we pray for it in Jesus' name. Amen. There is a a decision that is made at the Dirk's house about 10 to 20 times a week. And it is basically deciding if something can be salvaged, okay? Deciding if something can be fixed. Is it too far gone? Is it too far gone to be restored? Can it be fixed? Can it be restored? Can it be, can it be put back together? Uh, can it work again? Okay. Now, a lot of times it's toys. Okay. Uh, just to tell you the truth, a lot of times it's toys. Uh, you know, this, this one's head came off. This one's arm came off. This foot came off. The trigger came off. This doesn't work. You know, dad, can you fix it? You know? Now I'm not very good at fixing things and so so and I usually doesn't work out well but sometimes I try but sometimes I don't even try just because I discern from looking at it look this is this is not worth it you know it's, it's too far gone it's in too many pieces it's going to be too hard and we're just not even going to try you know other times not toys it's things like an ice cream cone spilled over on the table you know is it worth it do we try to salvage it you know do we get try to pick it up can it be put back together you know things like that Friday night we had come home from a wedding we'd been in a wedding and, and got home kind of late and so we just took the kids right up to bed and uh, trying to get them ready for bed. And somehow between the van, I don't know how this happened, between the van and, and the upstairs bathroom, Haven got a ring pop. And I, I, I have no idea where she got it or how she got it. But somehow she left the van without it. She got to the bathroom. She—you know, You know what a ring pop is, right? Those little plastic rings, got a little sucker on the end of it. Those things take about five hours to suck down to, to the bottom, you know. This is not going to work before bed, you know. And so... Uh, so I said, you know, honey, you know, I, I went ahead and changed your jammies with it on, you know, get through you know, all that business, you know. And, and we went to the bathroom and said, all right, it's time to brush your teeth. You know, give that to daddy and, and we'll put it on a napkin. You can have it tomorrow. Okay. That's what I said. And. And somewhere in the process, I don't know how this happened either, but somewhere in the process of her handing it to me, okay, she took it off her finger, somehow, you know, it got hit by the cabinet, or I I don't know what happened, but anyway, the thing kind of flies off, and neither of us have it, and it hits the wall, and it kind of hits the trash, and then it goes behind the toilet, you know, that place behind the toilet, you know, so I got to make this decision. Is it worth it, you know? I mean, i got to make that easy. Is it. Can this thing be salvaged, you know? That's what I'm trying to decide in my mind. This all happening in seconds, you know? And the first thing I do is I look behind me to see if anybody saw, you know? Because if Emma saw or Hannah saw, it's gone. You know, it's not even a question. We ain't getting it. It's, it's over with, you know? Nobody was there, though. So nobody was there. You know, so I'm contemplating in my mind, you know, what do what do I do here? Kendall, you know, she's looking at me like, Dad, you know. And, and so I thought, I could wash it off. That would probably be all right. Or I could bleach it or something like that, you know. And, but it is the kid's bathroom, you know. And Haddon's not a very good, you know, anyway. You know, I, just, I just don't, you know. Well, about five seconds, I just went in and decided, you know what? It's not worth it. It's just it's not it's not worth saving. You know. And so I just said I, I did the whole avoidance method. I just said, "All right, honey, time for bed." You know, we didn't even talk about it. We said, "All right, time for bed. Let's go." And I, I whisked her away to bed and put her to bed. And then I went in there and threw it away. You know, so it, it just w- wasn't worth it. Okay. You remember Joseph's family? Remember that from the last couple of weeks? Really dysfunctional. Remember. I mean, a favorite wife, Rachel, who has a favorite son, Joseph, and then, then later a favorite son, Benjamin. And then you got Leah, the wife that wasn't supposed to be, but Laban tricked Jacob, and he didn't look under the veil, and so he's got this wife that he didn't really want to marry, and, and now she's got the most sons, and then Rachel's jealous, and so, so they, they, they when they stop bearing children, they get their mistresses, Zilpah and Bilhah, and, and they have boys, and, and so you got all these brothers that are not from the, from the same family, just kind of all mixed together. The wives don't even like each other. And then, then you've got a favorite son. And the father you know, bestows gifts upon. And has dreams of exaltation. And where all that ends. Remember where all that ends. Is, is this brothers. They hate Joseph so badly. They have such murderous hatred in their heart. That they attempt to kill him. When, when they just stop just short of killing him. Because of their greed. They sell him into slavery. And he has to go into slavery in Egypt. From slavery he gets worse into prison. And you have this just disastrous time in Joseph's life. Where basically his brother. His brothers caused 22 years of being away from his dad, 22 years of lost life in Canaan with his family, the life that he wanted, the life that he planned for. That's that's pretty bad, isn't it? And so now through circumstances of God bringing him into into prison and him interpreting a dream for for the cupbearer and then interpreting a dream for Pharaoh and then Pharaoh exalting Joseph because Joseph sees the future through God's divine hand and he sees how to prepare Egypt for, for a famine that's coming joseph is exalted to to the prime minister basically of egypt and then there's a famine in all the land and here comes joseph's brothers here they come and there's this meeting between joseph and his brothers and and during that time you have to as the reader you have to ask the same question i asked when the sucker went behind the toilet man can this thing really be saved you know i mean really can these guys be a family again can, can this relationship be reconciled? Can there really be forgiveness? I mean, after all that water under the bridge, I mean, can, can Joseph really find it? Is it possible to find it in your heart to say, hey, brothers, come back in. Let's be a family together. Let, 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 let's celebrate dad's birthday together. Hey, you, you guys come be, be with me and I'll be with you and we'll visit each other. Can you really do that? Can it really be saved? Let me ask you that question. How, how do you feel about the relationships in your life where someone's hurt you really badly? How do you feel about when, when, when someone's done you wrong and, and, and when they persecuted you or they, they've caused you harm or they've caused your family harm? You know, what about you? Can, can there be forgiveness in your heart? Can there be reconciliation? Can things be healed? Can it be put back together? Can, can, can it be whole again? You know, what, what about your heart? You know what I find is that, that a lot of times there's, there's a group of people that I don't care about the circumstances. It's just no for them. You know, it's just no. If you, if you hurt them and if you betrayed them and if you, you broke their confidence and you caused them pain and you caused their family pain, it's just no. You know, I mean, you, you can't be forgiven and there can't be reconciliation and can't things can't be put back together. It's just not in their heart. They're not going to let go of that. And then there's a, another group of people that, it, that it's a maybe, you know, depending on what the spirit of God does in their heart. And, and depending on whether, whether, whether they, they put their trust in God and do what Joseph did, it's possible. And, and so I want to ask you, how is it with you? What group of people are you in this morning? You know, here's an even better question, maybe. Look, look at your own life. You know, there are people out there that look at themselves. They, they, they look at their own life. And you know what they say? I can't be fixed. I can't, It can't be salvaged. It's too broken, and, and, and it's been too damaged, and it's been too long. And, and, I, and I just don't think that God can fix me. You know, I was talking on the phone uh, a year after my salvation, I got saved my senior year of high school at the end of my senior year. And I'd had a friend who had moved away at the, I think, the end of our junior year, or the beginning of our senior year. I don't m- remember which, but it was before my salvation. And he had moved away, and, and I hadn't had any contact with him. I didn't know where he was. And he calls me in the middle of the night in my freshman year of college and, and woke me up, and I answered the phone. I hadn't heard from him. It would actually turn out providentially to be a month before he would be shot and killed in Dallas, Texas. And he calls me in the middle of the night. We have a conversation. I share my testimony with him. I share what God had done to me, and how God had put back the pieces of my life, and how he had saved me, and changed me, and transformed me, and made me a different guy, and forgiven me of my sins, and I'll never forget what Vince said to me. He said, Jason, that's great, I'm happy for you, but I'm too far gone. He said, God can't forgive me. I've done too many things. It can't happen for me. You see, I know there's people like that. Maybe, maybe you're like that. Maybe maybe you're trying to answer that question in your own mind is, can Can, can I be saved? Can I be put back together? Well, before you answer that question, either either group of people, whether you're thinking about your relationships in your life or whether you're thinking about yourself, let, let me just urge you to look at the picture of Joseph. Okay, remember Joseph is a commercial for Jesus, commercial for the, the ministry of Jesus Christ in our lives. And I think Joseph answers this question about forgiveness and about reconciliation, both between us, between you and your family, or you and your husband, or you and your wife, or you and your church member, and also between you and God. I think Joseph answered the the, the story, Joseph, answers that question. But before we even get to there, we've got to see some characteristics in Joseph's life that make all of this possible. Okay? Now, the first characteristic I want to point out to you that makes forgiveness and reconciliation possible in Joseph's life was Joseph was a guy that truly believed that people could be changed. OK, let me ask you, are, are you one of those people that believe that, that, that God changes people? Now, I'm not asking if, if you believe God changes you. OK, because most people then most people, especially in the church, say, I believe God can change me. OK, but what about that person that really hurts you? Do you think God can change that person? A lot of times it's a different answer. Yeah, I believe God can change me. And I we've got can change my kids and my family. But that person that hurt me, man, he, I just don't think God can change him. Okay? And a lot of times what we're really saying is I don't want God to change him. Okay, But Joseph is a guy who leaves room for the power of the Spirit of God to transform people's lives. And, and we don't have time to look at it in depth. But in chapters 42, 43, and 44 of Genesis, what you have is, is Joseph testing his brother's hearts to see if they're changed. To see if their hearts have been changed. Now what you have is Joseph's brother's Come and he sees them coming. He recognizes them. They don't recognize him. Okay. They haven't seen him since he was 17. Uh, he's grown up. He's 30 years. He's a little older than that. Now he'd be like 30, uh, uh, 35, six, about 37 or uh, so at this time in his life. And so a lot older. He, he's dressed, obviously, the Egyptian guard. He speaks Egyptian. He speaks to a translator. So he doesn't let them know who he is. So they don't know who he is. They just think he's some Egyptian guy. And basically, Joseph is putting them to the test. And he says, I don't believe your story. They, they, they say, we've come to buy food. He says, I don't believe your story. I think you're spies. They're not, We're not spies. We'll say, who are you then? They said, well, we're ten brothers. And we've got a brother at home. And we all live together on the farm. And our dad's still alive. And, and we're just simple sheep herders. And we've just come to buy food. And we've got one other brother, but he's no more. That's Joseph. You know, that's what they say. He's no more. Okay. And jo- and Joseph says, I don't believe you. You, you got to prove this to me. And the way we're going to prove this is I'm going to take one of you and he takes Simeon and I'm going to put him in jail and you're going to go home and you're going to bring that other brother back that you say you have. And when you bring him back, then I'll believe your story. Well, they go back home and when they go back home and tell dad about taking little Benjamin, remember he's the favorite son now. He's the only other son by, by Rachel who's now Passed away. Dad's like, no way. No way am I sending Benjamin. I've already lost Joseph. I've already lost Rachel. You're not you're not taking Benjamin to Egypt. Well, Dad changes his mind about after about six months of famine or so, you know. And the family not eating. And maybe everybody's starving. And Dad says, okay, all right, go back to Egypt and buy some food. And they say, Dad, we can't go back without Benjamin. So he kind of has this despairing speech about how life has been so hard on him. And he says, okay, take him, take him. We'll just pray that God... God God, God brings him back. So they take Benjamin back and Joseph says, okay, I believe your story now. And he loads him up with grain and they have a feast and, and he sends him off. But before he sends him off, he has his, his people put his silver cup in, in Joseph's bag. They tie it up and they load it on his camel and they all take off. And they let him get a couple of miles and then here come Joseph's guard's. And, and and they say, well, stop. You guys stole from us. You stole from Joseph. They don't say Joseph. Aspethbenea, I think is an Egyptian name. Forgive me if I don't say that all the time. Okay. So they, you, you stole from our master. And they were, well, we didn't steal. And they open up all the sacks. Guess who's got the silver cup? It's, jo- it's Benjamin. And, and, so, and so Joseph says, all right, he's going to have to stay here with me. Now, at this point, it really becomes apparent that Joseph's brothers have been changed. Let me read you a couple passages of scripture. First one is in chapter 42. Chapter 42, verses 21 and 22. This is a conversation the brothers have between themselves when Joseph is telling them what they must do. And, and they don't know that he can, he can understand them because he's speaking Egyptian and they're speaking Hebrew. And, and this is what they say to one another. They said to one another, verse 21, In truth we are guilty concerning our brother in that we saw the distress of his soul. They're talking about Joseph when they sold him. When, when he begged us and we did not listen. That is why this distress has come upon us. And Reuben answered and said, Did I not tell you not to sin against the boy? But you did not listen. So now there comes a reckoning for his blood. And Joseph hears this. What, what are they saying? They're saying, man, we were wrong. We did an evil thing, and now it's coming back on us. Okay. So, so there's, there's a glimmer of repentance there, isn't there? Now look in chapter 44, verses 33 and 34. This is after Joseph takes Benjamin and he says, Look, he's going to stay here. I'm going to put him in prison. And he's going to see, what are they going to do? Now, what what were they willing to do before for the favored son? Absolutely nothing. In fact, they sold him into slavery and they were willing to kill him. But now Benjamin, the favored son, is in peril. What are these brothers going to do? Well, Judah speaks up. I won't read his whole speech, but here's what he says in verse 33. Now, therefore, please let your servant remain instead of the boy. As a servant to my Lord. And let the boy go back with his brothers. For how can I go back to my father. If the boy is not with me. I fear to see the evil that would find my father. 20 years ago. They hated the favored son so badly. They were willing to murder him. 20 years later. Judah is willing to give his life. In exchange for the favored son. God changes people doesn't he. Amen. He changes people. 2 Corinthians five seventeen says, if any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. Do you, do you believe that? A new creation. Do you believe what John 3 says when Jesus talks to Nicodemus and he says, Nicodemus, if you're going to be in the kingdom of God, you've got to be born again. You've got to be born in the spirit of God. God's going to make you new. 2 Corinthians says man is in Christ he's a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. Folks, what we believe about ourselves and what we believe about others is that the Spirit of God can change people. He can transform them so that they're not what they used to be. They might have been a murderer. They might have been a thief. They, they, they might have been loose morals. They, they might have been a liar. But God can so change them that they are not what they used to be. We believe that. Man, there's a beautiful picture. I won't tell you the guys' names, but there's a beautiful picture in one of our small groups. One of our small groups has two guys in it. And those two guys, a couple decades ago, did not like each other at all. In fact, they were, they were enemies. They, they, there's a lot of anger, a lot of bitterness, a lot of unforgiveness against, between these two guys. And here's what happens. God, God works in both of their lives. And God transforms both of them. And they're both born again. And they're both saved. And they're both, through providence, brought back to Lincoln Avenue. They're brought to Lincoln Avenue. And, and they, they're in the same small group. And now you can go almost any Sunday night that our small groups are meeting. And you can see these two guys sitting on the couch together, praying together, sharing a meal together, sharing their families together, doing ministry together. Why? Because they're changed. People, God can change folks. He can change them. And Joseph is testing his brothers to see if they're changed. Now, now that's important because I believe Joseph offers forgiveness right away. As you look at the life of Joseph, even when he's a slave, even when he's in prison, this is not the picture of a bitter guy. This is not the picture of a guy that's mad at God and mad at the world and got a chip on his shoulder and everybody's against me and here's what's happened to me. And, and That's not Joseph at all. I really believe Joseph is willing to forgive immediately. But in order to have reconciliation with somebody... There's got to be a changed life, doesn't there? I mean, you see the difference between those two? If someone hurts you and if they cause you pain and if they do something evil against you, you know what I think the right thing to do is? The right thing to do is for you to forgive them as quickly as possible. For your own sake. That's what the New Testament says. For your own sake, you need to forgive them. What does that mean? It means you need to take their sin and you need to put it where your sin is. Where is your sin, believers? Your sin's on the cross, right? Your, your sin's on the cross being paid for by the blood of Jesus. And when, so when someone sins against you, you need to take that sin and you need to put it on the cross of Christ and you need to not punish them and not hold that in and not get bitter and not be angry, but let Jesus deal with the sin. You need to forgive them, okay? Now, Whether reconciliation happens, reconciliation is when two parties are brought together in harmony. Whether that happens, a lot of that depends on whether there's a changed heart, okay? Let me give you an example. If I'm doing business here in Woodward with a businessman and and that person cheats me and lies to me, they completely lie to me and they cheat me so that I'm harmed and my family is harmed and we lose out big time because of their lie and deception, you know what? The right thing for me to do is forgive them. The right thing for me to do is say, Jesus, you know what? I'm a sinner just like they're a sinner and and you forgave my sins. And so, Lord, I'm going to forgive them and I'm going to put their sin on the cross and I'm going to trust you to take care of them and to take care of me. Jesus, my hands are are, are out of it. You know, I forgive them. If I see them at Walmart, I'm going to be nice. I'm going to wave. I'm going to pray for them. I I hope that God changes their life. That's the right thing for me to do. Okay. now, whether or not there is reconciliation whether or not, what does that mean? Whether or not we can get together and do business again. Whether or not, you know, we can get together and work together and be in harmony. That, a lot of that depends on whether or not I see a changed life in them. You know, if if, they're, if their mode of operation is still to lie and to cheat and to deceive, it's probably not going to work for me to do business with them, is it? Now, that, that's different than forgiving. You see, reconciliation Depends on, on whether there's a change of life and a change of heart and whether both parties can be reconciled together. Forgiveness ought to be given right away. Okay? So I believe Joseph forgives right away. But because Joseph believes that God can change heart, he, he examines his brothers. He tests his brothers. When he sees that there is a true change of heart, then both forgiveness and reconciliation are brought about in this family. I want us to look at Joseph's forgiveness here because I think this is one of the most beautiful pictures of forgiveness in the Bible. And whenever I see these pictures, I I want you to see them. I want you to see them for a couple reasons. Number one, they're a picture of the way Jesus forgives you. You see, when we say forgiveness, that means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. In fact, there's a lot of false forgiveness out there. There's a lot of things that that say they're forgiveness, but but they're faking it, okay? They're posing as forgiveness. In fact, there's a lot of forgiveness that, that, from my outward perception... What it is, is cold indifference, you know? It's somebody saying, I forgive you with my mouth, but I'm going to act like, you know, I'm going to be an iceberg to you, okay? I mean, I mean that, that's what a lot of forgiveness looks like. And that, that's, not the, that's not what we see here in the Bible. I want you to see a, this picture of forgiveness because I, I, I want you to know what Jesus' forgiveness is like. And I want you to know what the Bible exalts as, as true forgiveness, okay? Here in verse 5, start out in chapter 45, verse 5. Notice what Joseph says to these guys. And he says, And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. Notice what Joseph says. First of all, Joseph comforts these guys. The, the, the way forgiveness plays out in, in this relationship is that Joseph does not want them to feel guilty or ashamed or harmed on the inside. Not only is he not saying, I'm not going to take my revenge, I'm not going to kill you. But he says, I don't want you to be upset on the inside. Now, folks, how different is that than most of our forgiveness? E- even with our spouse or our family, you know, there's a lot of times where we forgive somebody and we say, well, I'm not going to take my revenge and I'm not going to do anything to you. But we want them to feel bad, don't we? You know, we want them to feel bad. We 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 want to keep the scales tipped in our favor. You ever do that in your marriage? You know, it's like who, who who's 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 got the, the 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 more more in the account here. You know, who owes who? You know, and who, who who needs to be coming with their head down and who needs to be coming with their head up? You know, and a lot of times we want that. You know, we want to, we want that person to remember. You remember what you did to me? You know, I forgive you, but I want you to remember. And I forgive you, but you know. I want to keep you right here, okay? Because that's where you deserve to be. Because you're bad, you know, and, and you remember you're bad. And don't ever forget that you're bad, okay? And that—aren't you glad Jesus doesn't forgive that way? By the way, that's, that's not what Joseph does. As soon as he reveals himself, he can tell. He probably looks in their eyes. They probably all look like they're about to throw up, okay? Because they remember, man, we 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 sold this guy into slavery twenty years ago, and now he's he's got his life in our hands, Ugh, okay? And immediately, he sees that in her face. He wants to take that away. He says, guys, 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 don't don't be distressed. I don't want you to be mad at yourself. Don't feel bad about this. God God has worked it out for good. It was God. It was God all along who had this plan. Don't feel bad. He wants to take away. He doesn't want them to be tore up on the inside. He doesn't want them to feel guilty. Folks, what a beautiful picture of forgiveness. Second of all, Joseph wants to be near his brothers. Look, Look at verse 10. Verse 10 says, you shall dwell in the land of Goshen and you shall be near me. Now, Joseph says this over and over again. You shall be near me. You and your children and your children's children and your flocks and your herds and all that you have. You know, a lot of times when when we forgive somebody, here's kind of the way it goes. Okay, I forgive you. I'll say I forgive you. You know, you came to me, you said you were sorry, Right? I forgive you. Now, you stay on that side of the church, and I'll stay on this side of the church, you know? You, you stay on that side of town, I'll stay on this side of town. You, If you go to the first service, I'm going to the second service. You go to the second service, I'm going to the third service, you know? I mean, it's kind of a, hey, I'll forgive you, but you know what? We're, we're not going to have anything to do with each other, okay? Man, I keep coming back to this. Aren't you glad Jesus doesn't forgive that way? How does Jesus forgive? <laughs> he says, I not only forgive you, but then I'm going to join you to myself and I'm going to put my Holy Spirit. He's going to live in you. you. You can't get much closer than that, can you? I mean, Jesus, I want to be near you. I, I, I want to be close to you. I want to be in fellowship with you. I, I, I want us to be intimate friends. I want you to talk to me. I, I, I want to be close to you. Folks, that's the way that Joseph forgives his brother. He said, guys, I want you, you're not going to live in Canaan anymore. You're going to live in Goshen. You're going to be my neighbor. We're going to be in the same subdivision. And our kids are going to, they're going to play together. And we're going to have barbecues. And we're going to go to Taco Mayo for lunch together. You know, we're, we're, we're going we're gonna to be close to one another. That's forgiveness. Thirdly, Joseph says, I want to take care of you. Not only do I not want you to suffer and I don't want you to be guilty. And I want you to be near me but I'm going to take care of you. Look at verse 11. He says, There I will provide for you, for there are yet five years of famine to come, so that you and your household and all that you have do not come to poverty. Joseph says, I'm going to spend my money, and I'm going to to give of my resources to take care of you and your family and your children. There ends up being 70 of them, by the way, when when they come to Egypt. That's a pretty big investment, you know? I'm going to take care of you. That's what Jesus does for us, isn't it? When Jesus forgives, he said, I'm going to take your guilt away so that you you don't don't have to feel bad anymore. Your heart can be filled with joy and you can live your life worshiping. And I'm going to be near you. I'm going to put my spirit in you. And we're going to be close. And I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to provide everything you need. Man, that's forgiveness, isn't it? Now you're probably thinking to yourself, well, Man, I am sure glad that Jesus forgives that way, but I don't see—I don't see any way that I can forgive somebody else like that. Well, you know what? I, I'll, I'll readily admit to you that without the Holy Spirit working, I don't think you can. I don't think you got it in you. Okay, you don't. But with the Holy Spirit, I believe this is possible. And I believe there's two key things here that happen in the life of Joseph that he grabs onto that enables him to forgive in this way. I I, I want want us to look at them together, okay? Two key things. The first one, how can Joseph genuinely feel this way and forgive? Number one, because Joseph focuses on God's providential plan in all these events. What is is God's providence, first of all? God's providence is this, that God is working in all the circumstances of your life to to maneuver and to shape and to move everything toward this glorious victorious redemptive end for the kingdom okay so, so God, God's using your job and He's using your pain and He's using your cancer and, he, and He's using your heartache and He's using your difficulties and He's using your struggles and He's using your disabilities. And, and God is moving in all of that. And that doesn't mean God causes all that. I, I don't believe that. But I believe that God uses all of it providentially to move toward His victorious end. God, God's using all of that. And that's exactly what Joseph says here. Look at verse 5. Look at verse 5, chapter 45, verse 5. He says, now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here for God sent me before you to preserve life. In verse 8, he says, it was not you who sent me here, but God. And then over in chapter 50, he tells him again, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. You know what Joseph does? Joseph chooses to to replay in his mind the reality of God's providence, okay? Okay. Now, now, now let me tell you, there's two things that are true here, okay? I don't don't want you to say, well, what you're asking me to do is just say that that person didn't hurt me. I'm not asking you to do that. Joseph doesn't do that. He readily admits, you guys did this. You were evil. You were wicked. You did this horrible thing to me, okay? And, And so what is true? Well, number one, what's true is that these guys had such murderous hearts that they were willing to try to kill their brother, to sell him into slavery, and to break their dad's heart by telling him that he'd been tragically killed by a wild animal. Okay, that's kind of men they were. Okay, and that's true. Okay? But the other reality is this that God in His sovereign providence worked in such a way to bring Joseph to a place of power in Egypt so that he could prepare Egypt for this horrible famine. And literally hundreds of thousands of people were saved because of Joseph's planning, because of God's redemptive work through Joseph. Okay? Both those things are true, aren't they? And so here's the question. What's Joseph going to replay in his mind? You see, this could have gone really differently, couldn't it? When, 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 when Joseph was in prison and when he was a slave, if he had replayed that tape of his hurt over and over again, if he'd replayed in his mind his brother's laugh, you know how you can hear things in your mind? And if he had heard that over and over again, recalling how they laughed at him and how he begged for mercy and how they spat upon him and how they, they called him names and how they, how they belittled him and how they jerked him out of that hole and handed him over to the Midianites and how, how he cried the whole way while they pointed and laughed at him. He would replayed that in his mind over and over again. What do you think would have happened when he saw his brothers walking up? If he'd been replaying that for 22 years, See, sometimes we do that, don't we? We take that offense and and we just play it over and over again. That's what we choose to focus on. And when we magnify our pain and we magnify our hurt and we magnify what someone did to us and we play it over and over and over and over and over again, I'll guarantee you, when Joseph's brothers came up that walk and he saw them, it would really surprise me if they lived another 10 minutes. But you don't have to play that tape. There's another tape, isn't there? There's another tape that says, my God is is awesome. And he's working through all the struggles of my life. And he wins in the end. And he's going to bring the victory. And he's going to work all things together for good. There's There's another tape, isn't there? You can eject the one. You got control over your mind. You can do what you want, don't you? If you don't, we need to, Please see us afterward. There's there's help for you somewhere. Okay, You got control over your mind. You play what you want. You can you can put your mind. You can focus on what what you want to focus on. That's one of the things that God has given you you in you in the freedom of your mind. And the question is, which will you embrace? Which will you play over and over again? Which will you think about? Which will be your reality? Which will be the big thing in your life? Is it going to be your pain and your hurt and your sorrow and your sadness and your difficulty and your struggle and how everybody else has it this way but you have it that way? Is that what you're going to focus on and think about and play over and over again in your mind? Or are you going to reach for a different tape? You say, you know what, Pastor? It's it's really easy to say this talking about Joseph. Okay, I mean, when he sees his brother, he's sitting on a throne, right? He, he's, he's got some lady with this big fan, you know, fanning him like this. And he's got a couple others with grapes and strawberries and that cool, that white dip that you dip those in. I bet they had that, you know. I mean, he, he's he got, I mean, wow. I mean, he's sitting in the lap of luxury. He He's, he's over all of Egypt. Now, that's not my life, Pastor. It's real easy for Joseph to forgive when he's been exalted like that. But it's awful hard for me to forgive when I'm not living that. out. Okay. All right. I agree with you. I agree with you. But, but let me ask you this. Is it not true? Do we not believe as born again believers? That we are headed for an exaltation that makes Joseph being prime minister of Egypt look really small. Do we not believe that? Do we not believe that our Jesus is coming back? Don't we believe that? Don't we believe Revelation 14 that he's going to split the skies one of these days in a white robe leading the armies of heaven with with King of kings and Lord of lords written on his thigh with a sword coming out of his mouth with which he will slay the nations? Don't we believe that the saints will be caught up together in the sky with him and and will be forever with the Lord exalted to a place where there is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore? Psalm 1611. Don't we believe that? I believe that. And I think you believe that. And so let me ask you this. Can we not live in that reality? I mean, the the Bible does. You know, Peter says there's laid up for you an inheritance that's imperishable and unfading and undefiled. It's laid up for you now. It's waiting for you in heaven. Don't we believe as saints, as those who are joined to Christ, that that is coming for us? We do. And so I think we can talk like Paul. Here's the way Paul talks about his struggles. He says in 2 Corinthians 4, 16... We don't lose heart, though our outer nature is wasting away. Anybody identify with that? You're you're kind of wasting away on the outside. Okay. Our inner nature is being renewed day by day. For this slight momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Here's what he says in Romans 8, 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory. The glory, you hear that? The glory that is to be revealed to us, in us, for us. Okay, Romans 8, 28. And and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Folks, are not those things that we believe? Don't we believe that? We do. We, we believe. that's, that's head, We're headed for that. Our Jesus has been exalted. He's raised from the dead. He's King of kings and Lord of lords. And we're joined to him. Cannot we live in that exaltation? Cannot we play that tape in our mind? Cannot we grab hold of that when we've been offended? When we've been hurt? When we've been mocked? When we've been, been, been suffering loss at the hands of, a, of some wicked person? Cannot we grab that tape and choose to believe that reality, I think we can. And all that makes all the difference. It makes all the difference. It enables you to to, to live in joy, even amidst of, of, of your struggles. You know, we just said, well, you know, Joseph's saying that, but he's on a throne and he's he's, he's living in luxury. You know what? He wasn't for 13 years of that time, was he? For 13 years of that, he was a slave, something that you and I have never been. For 13 years of that, he he was in prison, in a dungeon, with no rights, never to see the sunshine. And during that time, he was still faithful to God. During that time is when Potiphar's wife grabbed him and said, Hey, lie with me. I can make your life a lot easier. And he said, how can I do this great sin and wickedness against God? It was during that time that he interpreted the dream for the cupbearer and the baker. And he told them, hey, this is God who's doing this. It was during that time that Pharaoh called him up and said, can you interpret dreams? He said, God can. It was that time that he gave God the glory again and again and again. You see, even in Joseph's downtime, he grabbed onto the reality that God had this big thing in plan for him. You know what? Joseph had dreams, did he not? That's how, that's how it was revealed to him that God had this great plan. You know what? You have something better than dreams, okay? Joseph had a dream about wheat stalks, you know, bowing down to him. You know what you got? You got 66 chapters of the Word of God that tell you all about God's plan for redemption and victory. Folks, we can grab onto that. Providence is a powerful thing. God is working in the circumstances of life, your life, my life, to produce victory. He works all things together for good to those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. Sometimes providence is a little its a little scary. You know, not only did God deliver and save Israel from this famine by bringing them to Egypt. Remember how long they stayed? 400 years. And much of that time, it was not voluntary. <laughs> they were slaves. There was a new Pharaoh that, that rose to power and, he, and he engulfed Israel in slavery. And you say, well, man, was that God's providence? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. You know why? If Israel had stayed in Canaan, you know what was already beginning to happen? They were already beginning to lose their identity. There's a whole mess with, with Jacob's boys intertwining themselves with, with the foreign nations around them. There's an absolute mess with Judah and and Tamar and Dinah. But you know what happened through God's providence? God put them in a place where nobody wanted to intermarry with the the Israelites. (laughs) You know why? They were slaves. And for 400 years, God grew that nation strong until Moses. He raised up Moses to bring them out of there. God's providence is awesome. And it's still at work today. Did you know that? It's working through the circumstances of your life, and so there's two things we need to remember. Number one, we need to be faithful. Why? Because God's at work. And number two, even in the struggles of life, folks, God is God is working for His good. That's why we can forgive. Number two, real quick. Number two, turn to turn to chapter fifty. I, I just love what J, Joseph says here. Chapter fifty, uh, Jacob dies. And Joseph says in verse 14, or it says in verse thirteen, when Joseph's brothers saw their father was dead, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. That, that's, that's a normal thing to say, isn't it? You know, dad dies and all of a sudden these guys are thinking, you know what? Maybe Joseph was just showing off for dad, you know? And now he's going to pay us back. I mean, that's what we'd have done to him. That breaks Joseph's heart because here's, here's what he says says he weeps when he when he hears him say that and then in verse 19 it says but joseph said to them do not fear for am i in the place of god you hear that am i in the place of god what what does that mean they're, they're saying you're going to pay us back you're going to you're going to seek revenge and joseph says, no 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 i don't take god's place you know what folks when it, whenever you take your own revenge you know what you're doing you you're you're turning to god and you're saying look god I just don't think you do a good job with this thing, you know. Justice is not your specialty. I'm, I, please move over because I'm going to handle this. I, I'm going to punish this person. I'm, I'm going to handle it. I'm going to take it out on him. I'm going to give him the cold shoulder. I'm going to, I'm going to boot him out of my life. I'm going to slander him. I'm going to take care of it, God, because I don't believe you can. Joseph says, you know what? I'm not in God's place. That's not my job. That's that's not mine. I don't do that. You know the great thing about Joseph? Joseph trusts God not only for his future. He says, look, God sent me here. You you, you guys were evil and you hated me, but but you know what? God worked through it all. God sent me here. God's taking care of me. Okay, number one. But number two, Joseph also trusted God to take care of his enemies. Joseph trusted God to take care of the other guy as well. Now, I don't, I don't think Joseph was sitting there saying, boy, I can't, well, God's going to fry you guys, man. He, he's he's going to get you. I don't think he's saying that. I think he's just saying, look, I, revenge is not mine. That's, that's, a, that's God's. Folks, I think that's how you forgive. I think you believe the providence of God and you trust God with your own life. And I think you don't try to take God's place by seeking your own revenge. Listen, Jesus, like Joseph, is willing to completely forgive your transgressions. Isn't that awesome? Completely forgive. He wants to take your guilt. He doesn't want you to bear that that emotional trauma on the inside for, for messing up as many times as you have. Jesus wants to take it. Jesus, like Joseph, he wants to be near you. He wants to take care of you. He wants to provide for you. So here's the question Have you embraced the forgiveness of Jesus Christ? I hope you have.